Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. Well, it was a great day of football on Sunday with the AFC Championship, Cincinnati winning, and then the NFC Championship and the Rams winning. So those two teams will meet in the Super Bowl. Pretty disappointing for the Chiefs and the 49ers, of course. And after the games were over, I had a chance to talk to two of my buddies who are statisticians. Ethan Cooperson is Jim Nance's statistician for CBS, and he was covering the AFC Championship, and we'll hear from him later. First, we're going to hear from Joe Buck's statistician. That's Ed Sfida for Fox Sports. And here's the conversation that we had on Sunday right after the Rams beat the 49ers. And joining us now is Ed Sfida, stats man for the stars. Well, the stats man for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the Fox A crew. And he just got done covering the NFC Championship, which, of course, for 49ers fans is a tough one to swallow. Ed, what's your reaction to that game? And thanks a lot for spending some time for me here tonight. Well, Joe, thanks for having me. First of all, I just want to clarify that I have exclusivity and that you didn't do this with another statistician for the AFC game live from Kansas City. I'm hoping this is a San Francisco thing and, and not not that. But a uh, <laughs> little joke at our friend Mr. Coberson to start. But, uh, wow, I mean, great game, right? I mean, unfortunately, obviously, for the, the faithful, not the result you wanted. But, uh, I mean, it, it was a great game. I mean, I've worked some very good playoff games over the years, and I put this right up there with it. I mean, obviously not a lot of scoring, but from a just a tactical standpoint and, you know, there were some, some twists and turns, and, you know, I'm sure up 10 in the fourth quarter, you know, people are starting to believe, and, you know, obviously the, the end result was a little unfortunate for, you know, Niner fans, but uh, nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, you know, it, it's it's one of the toughest teams I've seen. They play with heart. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they that defensive line is, is dominant, and... Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, obviously, you know, not the result, but, uh, you know, a good effort, a good game. Well, first of all, I mean, you were telling me, you were texting me before the game saying that it might have been about 60% 49ers fans there at SoFi. Not surprising because that's the way it was at the end of the regular season. Uh, But, you know, for an NFC championship, that's quite a showing for 49ers fans. Totally. They they were into it all game. And, you know, early on, you, you know, you saw the, a couple times the Rams had to take timeouts, you know, because the noise, you know, they, they weren't getting the plays in and, you know, there was a delayed game. I mean, it was a very vocal group and uh, they, they traveled well. I mean, like I said, in the week 18 game, which was a regular season game, I know it was, it was a virtual playoff game for, for the Niners, but, you know, they came out in full force for that one. So, you know, obviously uh, they traveled very well. You know, 49ers fans are going to point to a few key moments in the game. Of course, one that they're really going to point to is the dropped possible interception by Jaquaski Tart. Uh, and he actually tweeted out, no excuses. I deserve all the criticism my way. So, you know, that's a classy move, I think, by Jaquaski. But when you saw that ball in the air and you saw it headed towards Tart, you had to be thinking interception. Yeah, I, I did. And, and look, in his defense, Ramsey dropped one too, right? I mean, it was right. kind of like a punt. and. You, you know, I, I used to work with a, you know, an old coach, and his his saying, you know, when it, when a D back would, you know, drop a ball is that's why the guy's not a wide receiver, right? I mean, <laughs> right. you know, it's it's 
<laughs> it's a little tacky and cheesy, but I mean, they're not paid to, to catch those balls. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, in the whole, did they score on that drive? I can't even remember now. I'm losing my, my sequence, but I mean, it, it, you know, it was virtually like a punt. I mean, there was a lot of field position gained on it, but, uh, if, if, oh, he, I think they got a know. field goal on that drive. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. It was, it was, you know, again, I think it's what we've talked about about that. The other part that I think a lot of 49ers fans are going to talk about, and of course the talk shows, is Kyle Shanahan not going for it on fourth and two. Now, it's not a no-brainer to go for it. I mean, you're near midfield, but he said he didn't even consider that. He didn't think it was the right call to make, whereas I think a lot of 49ers supporters were thinking, hey, you know, put that on your offense there. You're up by three. You can pretty much put this game away or at least have a really good chance now to add to the three-point lead at the time. He doesn't go for it. He just tries to draw them off sides, and that was a turning point, I thought. What did you think of that? Well, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I mean, yeah. But <laughs> now, I mean, again, people say at the moment they were thinking that, but I don't know. I mean, I think that's true to how this team is, is built. I mean, they're not necessarily, you know, asked to to kind of win it with their offense or or, or you know kind of close it out. I mean, it, yeah, it's a lot to ask for your defense, but I mean, you could argue that that's obviously the strength of the team, and he feels good with the lead there and wants to pin him in, and uh, you know. Now you got a McVeigh, I guess at this point now has burned his last challenge, and you know they don't have timeouts, and you know I mean I'm I'm wondering you know he, you know and then he sends the offense out to try and draw him off sides, but uh, yeah I mean it's a, it looks like a bad decision after it doesn't work, um, you know I'm sure there's probably analytics guys that are in his ear and, and <laughs> trying to give him the math on that, but uh, you know yeah I mean yes I'm sure at this point. You wish you had gone for it. In another thing that uh, I think 49ers fans are looking at is that, you know, Debo Samuel can be so dominating, so explosive, yet he didn't really get a chance there in the last, I think it was the last 12 minutes or so, that you weren't writing down any stats for Debo because, I mean, they just weren't able to get him the ball or, you know, he just wasn't involved. So was that a little surprising? Yeah, I mean, I think that they had that drive that was very – it was a bad three and out with some incompletions. They were just kind of the pass rush was there, and they got the penalty. And and really, like you know, momentum was kind of swinging there. I mean, you, you know, it's 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 hard to get a guy touches, you know, in in any way. And even in the first half, I mean, I don't know what the total play count was, but I'm sure it was you know significantly in the Rams' favor. So I think they might have at one point only had 20 plays in the first half. So it's yeah, it's hard to get the guys' touches and get them kind of, you know, in a rhythm. And, yeah, at the end of the game, you want to go to him. But I'm sure, you know, the Rams pay people to say, you know, this, this is this is our job, right? He can't touch the ball towards the end. So, you know, I'm sure the coverages and things were, were probably aligning to, to prevent that. You mentioned the analytics people. And I'm curious, as somebody who has been doing stats for a long time and working with Joe Buck for a long time, how much do you mix in some of the stuff that you read? Because there's just a mound of statistics available. How do you try to deal with that, you know, where you don't have too much going on and try to just use the best stuff that you can? Yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, that's, you know, as you get older and wiser, you know, you learn less is more, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything doesn't have to get shoehorned in there. If, you know, the game is the game right now. I mean, is it that important that, you know, this guy's got the most 
catches by a Rams tight end in postseason history or, you know, that this, you know, 49ers rookie's got like, you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta let the game dictate. I'm sure you know that as well. I mean, you know, we're, we're sitting here in, in a, in a game that could come out of the final possession or, you know, I think we're looking at strategy more than, you know, history and statistics, you know, like we're trying to figure out, all right, well, you know, why, why do you do this on the fourth and two call, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, even at the beginning of the game, uh, you guys are showing a graphic of Jimmy Garoppolo and his record because, I mean, that's really what does matter in the end. And, you know, he gets a lot of criticism, but he has been such a winning quarterback. And that was a tough way for him to go out. I mean, you know, because you, you really don't think that he's going to be back with the 49ers, you know? Right, right. No, I don't think he'll be back, obviously. You don't invest that kind of money in someone else at that position and not play them like that, and, you know, the capital. Uh, you know, look, this guy uh, – it's a shame because he, he really seems to gravitate. I mean, we've done a couple of our games here at the end now, and, he, you know, he does like the moment. And it, it, it's almost like when, you know, you're not kind of just holding him back or, or, you know, that the game plan is more like, you know, we got to run this or do this. It, it, it seems like he does kind of have success, you know, in those two-minute situations or, you know, where he's able to, to kind of, you know, make, I mean, the Packers game, I mean, you know, a couple big third down throws. Even today, a couple big third down throws. Yeah. No, I mean, he's been a clutch performer. Uh, one thing he seems like he doesn't do well is throw on the run. That's where he, you know, it just doesn't seem like he's accurate in those situations. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Troy had questioned the one play where he kind of, I think, moved out to the right and just, just couldn't, couldn't hit somebody. But, I mean, he, he played well today. I mean, he's not the reason why they lost the game. I mean, let's be honest. So, uh, you know, I look. It's it's a, you know it's a it's a these teams are all so close and they know each other so well and they play each other so often and you you know everybody knows what they're trying to do here and it's you know it made for a great game today and you know unfortunately some team had to win and some team had to lose and. You know the Forty Niners. You know it, it hurt probably. It hurts more having that lead going into the fourth quarter. But like at no point did you feel like the game was just getting away from anybody. I mean, both teams. You know, it was like a like a boxing match where they were both kind of just you know feeling each other out, and you know they were going to wait to see what happened at the end. Well, Stafford, yeah, yeah but, and Stafford really knows that he could count on Cooper Cup, and we, it seems like we're going to see a lot of that in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean he's a tremendous player. I mean I. I think I gave Joe the stat. I, I think he had six third down conversions as a receiver. I mean, you you know that, that's a big number. I yeah. Mean, you know, I mean, teams are lucky to convert six third downs in a game sometimes, and this guy himself, as a receiver, was able to convert six. So, and and both the touchdowns were on third down too. I mean, it, you know, there, there are a couple things that the you know obviously the couple things that helped the the Niners when when you look at uh, you know the Rams left. Rams dropped a touchdown, you know, uh, maybe two. And then the ball that the cup drops, uh, you know, and I mean, both teams kind of had their chances here. I mean, I don't, I don't think the 49ers really made mistakes. I mean, obviously, you know, at the end of the game, you know, but, but I mean, I, I thought they played a really good game. It, it just, you know, if these teams play, Ten times or a hundred times, you know, it's not going to be six zero, right? I mean, at some point, you know, the other team's going to win some games, and, right? 
I, I just think that's what happened. Yeah, and that was an exciting way for you guys to end your season. Now the Super Bowl goes to NBC. But you know, tell us about another season in the books because you guys are like a well-oiled machine. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman have been together for a long time now, and you as the statistician uh, where you guys, yeah. I would imagine, just kind of have a sense for each other and, and how you do your job. Absolutely, and pretty soon we're going to do our job at a crew party. But uh, <laughs> they um, – <laughs> Nah, it's 20 years for those guys. It's 19 for me, and uh, I mean, it's you know they're great. I mean, this we'll text next during the week. I mean, this isn't you know see it in six months or whatever. I mean, it's uh, you know they're, they're they're great guys. They have great chemistry, and you know I, I look if anybody's doing this job. I mean, I, I respect any announcer and, and you know play by play guy or you know certain times my friends will be like, oh, we're getting not this crew or this crew, and it's like. You know, look, it's, it's a hard job to do. I mean, and you know that. Yeah. From being a support guy and being an in-front guy. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's you know, it's good it's good to work with really good people because it gives other people the illusion that I'm good. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. And they, they just seem to have a lot of fun together, and I would imagine that you do as well with them because, I mean, they just have a – it seems like just watching them on the air, they have a really good relationship. Nah, they do, and it's genuine. They're not, you know, it's 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 not uh, twenty five guys, twenty five cabs thing. I mean, they're <laughs> they're good friends, and you know, they'll golf and you know, they'll hang out, and uh, no, nah, there's there's a, there's a good bond there. And I have to give Troy Aikman credit, even though he played quarterback for the Cowboys. You you would never know by the way he handles 49ers games. I mean, he's right down the middle with it. I, I think he did a fantastic job on that. Anybody who says otherwise, I think, is wrong. Yeah, no, he, he's always been a constant. I mean, I, look, as an Eagles fan, right, I have to deal with, you know, my buddies. And, you know, now they're like, hey, you know what, Troy Coles is there. You know, I mean, you know, he, you know <laughs> I, I think people for the, the Cowboys were his employer. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't. They weren't the team he grew up rooting for as a, as a little boy. I mean, you know, they were his employer. And, right. you know, look, yeah, he feels a, a fondness to the city. He lives there. And the people are, you know, they love him. And he loves, you know, the fans. And, you know, he, he wore that uniform, obviously, for a number of years. But, you know, he it's not like he's a fan. He's got a job to do. And he's going to call up like he always does, you know, fair. Yeah. And he did a great job, and so did you. Ed, thanks a lot for the time. Have fun at the wrap party. I'll see you down the road. Great season. Yo, you are the best, buddy. That was Ed Sfida, statistician for Fox Sports, and Joe Buck, as well as Troy Aikman on the A-Crew there. All right, let's go over to the AFC Championship. And on Sunday, I had a chance to catch up with Ethan Cooperson, who is the stats man for Jim Nance. And joining us from Kansas City, site of the AFC Championship where the Bengals beat the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl, is Ethan Cooperson from CBS Sports and Sport Radar, the great statistician for Jim Nance, who was calling the play-by-play of the game today. Ethan, thanks a lot for joining me on this night here, this Sunday night in Kansas City, where the hometown fans have to be greatly disappointed. It must be pretty quiet in town. I think that the disappointment is exceeded only by the shock that uh, we're talking about a game that at 21 to three in the second quarter uh, on the CBS production, we're starting to prepare for this game is going to be a blowout. Let's start to look at some of the big picture stuff. 
the game is not competitive. The Chiefs are going to cruise to the victory, and let's set up for talking about some Super Bowl matchups, and this game is over. And as the second quarter ended, and it was only an 11-point game, it felt, okay, the Chiefs are still in control, but they're only up by 11 points. This is a little strange. And don't forget, it was the same margin when the teams met in Week 17 with the Chiefs up by 11 points at halftime. And that turned out in the Cincinnati victory. So it still felt like the Chiefs were in control. And then as the second half evolved and the Chiefs could just do nothing on offense, um, as we saw, the Bengals sort of wore them down and took control of the game. And ultimately, in a shocking comeback, um, a great victory for Cincinnati, and it, it, just imagine the euphoria of the Chiefs. I mean, the, the euphoria in Kansas City from the victory last week, the shocking victory over Buffalo, and now how quickly it turns to a shocking defeat for Kansas City. So it's just a, an amazing turnaround. I don't know if you could play a more perfect first half statistically than what the Chiefs were doing because as you guys were documenting, I mean, they're not getting any penalties. They're not having any sacks. I mean, they're doing everything right. They're scoring on every possession. And then they make really the most critical mistake of the entire game when they try to go for the touchdown, which I was on board, Ethan, with that decision. I thought actually that was a good decision, but you got to look to the end zone real quick. You got five seconds. Nobody's open. Just throw it away or throw the touchdown. You don't throw the ball in the field of play, not the end zone, and then have a player tackled. That was the worst nightmare right there where they don't get any points. Uh, so that was crucial. Uh, but you guys were you know, really documenting how great it was for Kansas City up to that point. Yeah, and let's not forget that you know perhaps that that early dominance on offense went to the to their heads just a little bit, and perhaps they thought we've moved the ball so well, everything's gone our way. We've had the ball three times, we've scored three touchdowns. We're going to score another touchdown. Let's go for this. And we apparently it was it was Mahomes who did a little bit of whispering into Andy Reid's ear and said. Let me go for this. Let me, get, let me give this a shot for a touchdown. And let's not forget, too, that at the end of the fourth quarter, they were inside the 15-yard line, and had they punched it in for the touchdown, they win the game. They were not able to do that. They settled for the tying field goal and, of course, lost the game in overtime. And let's not forget this, too. This is a big part of this game. The, the play at the end of the second quarter was a completion for Tyreek to Tyreek Hill, and he got stopped. Uh, short of the end zone. Right. He didn't catch another pass in the game, did not catch a pass in the, se- in the second half. And in overtime, the pass that was thrown to him was intercepted, and that, of course, set up the winning field goal. Yeah, I mean, it's really bizarre because he's such a go-to guy, isn't he? And Tony Romo did a great job of talking about how they would throw deeper to him in the past, and then they were throwing more of the underneath stuff to Tyreek. But when he doesn't have anything, I mean, you don't figure that you're going to do very well in a half without that. Yeah, and what the Chiefs have evolved to this year and tremendously effectively, and we saw it last week in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, if Tyreek, if they're going to take away the deep ball to him, he is still lightning fast. Let's throw the ball short to him and let him run after the catch and gain a lot of yards that way. And that was the play at the end of the second quarter. Let's throw it to him. He's he's at the one or two-yard line, but he's going to be able to run it in. Well, he wasn't able to. And again, that just turned the game. The momentum changed dramatically at that point. 
Joe Burrow getting to the Super Bowl with Cincinnati. Not a lot of people saw that happening when they were watching the Bengals last season. So in your mind, how improbable is that since you've you know, watched him grow as a quarterback throughout this season? Yeah, this is a team that won six games in the previous two years. Um, and it's, it's, it's unlikely. I mean, it, it felt like let me pose this to you. Let me pose this to you. We worked the AFC Championship game three years ago, and this was the Patriots at the Chiefs, and there was an established great quarterback, Tom Brady, and this young buck in Patrick Mahomes challenging him. And Brady won that day, and the Patriots went on to, to a Super Bowl. But in this case, with the possible retirement of Brady, we're now turning into a different situation where suddenly Mahomes, just three years later, he's the established star. He is the gold standard. And Burrow's in that role of the young buck challenging him. But what we see with Burrow is that swagger. And I think that one thing we see, the Bengals have been down for so long. They've had eight winning seasons in 31 years, prior, <laughs> uh, including this year. They've been down for so long. And you know what? That kind of swagger that he brings is probably what this team needs. It, and what this city needs, but I think it's we're very quickly going to see the, this changing of the guard, and some of these these young great quarterbacks in the AFC are going to be they're going to produce some great matchups for years to come. We're talking Mahomes and Josh Allen and Burrow, and the the excitement we're going to see among these three, Justin Herbert as well. We're going to have some great quarterback matchups in the AFC for years to come. Yeah, I mean it's amazing the confidence of some of these young quarterbacks and when you're down in a game like that and you know even a young receiver like Chase because I mean he came up with some big plays as well and uh, you know the Bengals at times could run the ball pretty well with Mixon so it seems like they have a pretty good mix if you will uh, going into the Super Bowl where they can hurt you in a lot of ways. And let's not forget that in the first half the biggest play they got a 41-yard touchdown pass to a running back their wide receivers had done so little to that point and the deep ball wasn't there for them today. It was a different. It was a different formula than in the Week 17 matchup where they had five completions over 30 yards. It wasn't that so much today. It was uh, executing when they had to. The running game was effective. You know, Chase's biggest play was a two-yard touchdown catch, but they sure needed that, and they sure needed that, and that was a big part of the of the comeback. So, different formula, and I think there's something to be said for the fact that as much as we love the deep ball, and we know that that's going to be there, and we look forward to a lot of deep passes in the future uh, between Burrow and Chase and Higgins and Boyd. Hey, they can do some other things too. They can beat you some other ways, and that's what we've seen. And that's actually a theme for the Bengals in this postseason. They're a different, very different team than in the regular season. Just a quick case in point, in the regular season, they had a losing record in one-score games at four and five. Guess what in the playoffs? Three wins, all one-score games, all nail-biters down to the last play. 3-0 and in one-score games, they, were, they only won four all regular season. So different formula for this team, and the takeaways are a big part of that. What you need, too, uh, when you're playing these close games, Ethan, is a really good kicker. And Evan McPherson, as he was dubbed <laughs> uh, Kick Fearson, I, I really like that uh, from Ian Eagle in the previous game. Uh, he's you know just solid. He doesn't miss on the road, as you guys documented. And uh, for a guy who's a rookie, I mean, he just goes out there and, and he's not going to miss a kick. He, he seems like he's so confident. It's astounding how, how effective the kicking game is, just in an in a overall global uh global standpoint around the NFL. Kicking is so phenomenally good now. Um, I mean, we, we say it kind of kiddingly amongst ourselves, um, 
But a team that's to midfield now, you're almost thinking, well, they're not, they're almost in field goal range now because these kickers, you know, 60, 65 yards, we see them hit those in, in warm-ups. The, the kicking around the league is amazing. And, and yes, you're right that how many games have we seen this postseason where um, decisive points were scored on field goals? If you look at the divisionals, we had the three games that were won on last play field goals. Butker had to kick a field goal to force overtime. And then the two games today with decisive field goals. The field goal kicking is so reliable now. And I, the strategy almost changes so much because you, you almost know you can get those three points. Those three points are almost a guarantee. And one thing I'll mention, too, is it's almost um, the, over, the change in the overtime rules so that you can't win a game on a first possession field goal. It's not mentioned much, but I really think that that almost is geared to the fact that that a field goal try anywhere in that kicker's range, he's going to make it. So we really can't let a game be decided on a first possession field goal. And as much as there is some upset over the rules where Kansas City won last week on the first possession of overtime, yeah. Well, you know what? It's better than if they'd won it on a 49-yard field goal on the first possession. At least they have to get in the end zone. So I think it, it, it's true. And not only is the field goal the fact that the field goal kicking is that good, but it's changed the strategy. It's changed the game from the first quarter into, as we've seen, into overtime. Well, when you saw Kansas City win the toss and get a chance to do it in back-to-back games where they would be able to you know, win the game with a touchdown, uh, it almost seemed like a foregone conclusion, but of course they, they don't come through. But take us behind the scenes a little bit about getting the statistic that no team has ever won back-to-back overtime games in the postseason. Uh, I thought that was a pretty cool uh, stat. And just take us through you know, how, how you come up with that in the middle of the game. Well, that was actually something that I had looked into, um, being someone who's actually very, very interested in overtime. <laughs> you and, love overtime, and, yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I, the drama of it is just so unmatched. Um, there was that stat, so I looked up um, the teams who had done it, and in fact, no team had won uh, multiple games in overtime in one postseason, whether consecutive or otherwise. That had never happened and still has never happened. So there's that. Now, you would have thought, as, as you said, when Kansas City wins the toss, uh, Patrick Mahomes, though he lost the championship game three years ago in overtime, but in his career, entering today, he had played four overtime games in which he'd actually had the ball. He'd actually gotten on the field. And in every one of those games, he had taken the Chiefs down to score points, and they won the game. So he, in overtime games where he'd gotten on the field, had always won. And... This was the first time it went the other way. And again, that desperation heave, um, it, it, I, can't, I can't minimize this. It very much reminded me of a, of a, of a dangerous kind of Brett Favre-type throw where I'm just going to throw it down there into double coverage. And in this case, it didn't work. It always worked for him in the past. But getting back to the overtime, um, I, it, it would be such a, a fantastic and fascinating story if a team were to win multiple games in overtime, and it is – to me, very interesting that no one had ever done it before, and that's that's just something I would have, would have wanted to know who's ever done it, and so I was something I'd researched, and again, no one had ever done it, and still has no one has ever won multiple games in overtime in a single postseason. <laughs> that's great. That was yeah, that was a great stat. Uh, so you know, there are two weeks here to dissect the heck out of the Super Bowl and the matchup, but just your early thought on Rams against Bengals in the Super Bowl. Well, I'll tell you. 
it's pretty unmatched the amount of wide receiver talent we're going to see on this field. Yeah. And <laughs> there are, and, and not just, not just, um, not just fascinating, not just very good receivers and outstanding receivers, receivers who have set records, whether it's rookie records or, or overall receiving records, but very different types of receivers, receivers who can go catch the ball deep, receivers who catch short wide receiver screens like Cooper Cup and run forever. Um, just a, an, an array of different types of wide receiver talent. So that's, that's a start. And somehow the Bengals have come up with this formula in this postseason to shut down or at least limit some, some excellent uh, offensive schemes. They faced a Raider team that piled up a ton of passing yards in the regular season and held them and limited them. And somehow in the two games against the Chiefs, they absolutely limited them uh, in each case to three points in the second half. So what it is that the Bengals have done defensively, especially in the second halves of these games, is phenomenal. And it's, it's, it's a different team than what we've seen in the regular season. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating with um, a veteran quarterback who's been around for a long time, suffered a lot of losses in, in Matthew Stafford, and suddenly now, uh, he's in, the, in a position to, he's in a position, it's interesting, to sort of rewrite the script for his career. And let's not forget Matthew Stafford is in the top 20 all time in passing yards. And suddenly you start to think if he is able to win a Super Bowl, tag a Super Bowl onto all those numbers, then do we think Hall of Fame for him? It's not out of the question. And then on the other hand, you've got Burrow, who's a young guy, but in, the, in a similar way, he's sort of trying to rewrite the script for a franchise that has had so little success over the last three decades and has never won a Super Bowl. So in a, in a different sense for the two guys, there's sort of a redemption that they're both seeking. Well put. Uh, and for the second consecutive year, you have a team that is playing in its home stadium for the Super Bowl with SoFi the Super Bowl stadium and the Rams, of course, play their home games there. And last year it was the Buccaneers winning at home with Tom Brady. And I wanted to finish by asking you about your reaction to Brady, although it's not official as of yet, as you touched on earlier. But if it does become official, and that's it for Tom Brady, uh, so many games covered by you and Jim Nance and other announcers that you've worked with, Greg Gumbel, of Tom Brady going back to the, you know, the early 2000s, the career was amazing. What about you and, and being able to watch him and research some of the numbers that you've come up with over the years with Brady? Yeah, we, it, it's pretty fascinating to think that in the 700 touchdown passes in that, in that range, and I would say there's probably far more than 700 hours that I've spent researching and, <laughs> and reviewing Tom Brady statistics and, and writing about Tom Brady and then also working his games. Um, he's, he's, set the standard in the NFL, and I think, you know, what we've seen is we want to anoint Patrick Mahomes as the next great one. Well, Patrick Mahomes is going to go into his sixth season having won one Super Bowl. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to someday get close to Tom Brady's number of seven, um, but it's, it's also fascinating to note that Tom Brady, uh, seven Super Bowl victories, he went a decade without winning one, and essentially you could say that in the prime, what would be considered the prime years of his career, so from age 27 or age 28 till the late 30s, did not win a Super Bowl. So he won all of those seven sort of in his very early years or late years. And it's, 
it's it's a it's a fascinating career. Um, the, the longevity is amazing, but it's it's also as we're seeing now, uh, we're going to have guaranteed a first time Super Bowl winner this year. Um, how difficult it is to win one, even when your name is Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and we've seen that today, and that uh, it, it makes one wonder how anyone could ever get close to seven Super Bowl wins. Yeah, I know. It's an incredible, incredible accomplishment. Ethan, thanks a lot for the time. Appreciate it. Uh, great job, as always, this season, and look forward to seeing you and working with you at some point in the near future. Sounds great, Joe, and I think that it's, it's the last uh, – the last eight days or any indication, buckle your seatbelt for a great Super Bowl. That's Ethan Cooperson, statistician for CBS Sports and Jim Nance. And I want to thank him as well as Ed Sfida, Joe Buck statistician from Fox Sports. Next week, we'll be talking about the Super Bowl with somebody who played in it once. Rich Gannon, the former Raider who played in the Super Bowl with Oakland. He'll be joining us next week as uh, we'll talk about that Rams-Bengals matchup. And we're also going to hear from Ryan Galvin, another behind-the-scenes person. He is the replay producer for CBS Sports, just worked on the AFC Championship, also works on the Final Four with CBS. So we're going to get a little behind-the-scenes look as well and talk about the Super Bowl with Ryan. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening to the Sports Virus Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.